From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. Hot Takes Edition after Florida State comes up short at Death Valley, loses to Clemson 30-20 to in a pretty awful backdoor cover for, uh, for Clemson in a game that Florida State had every opportunity to win and just did not finish. Uh, that, that really is the theme sort of here in, in my immediate thoughts. And I mean, I'm recording less than five minutes after the game ended. So uh, <laughs> I, this is pretty raw in terms of my, my own thoughts. I usually take a little bit longer to, uh, to put together a, a few immediate notes and take a look at the, uh, at the stat sheet before recording, but I have to go and cover another game and I've got to travel to, to do that uh, very quickly. So this is going to be very quick, uh, a quicker than usual hot takes edition. But uh, all in all, I mean, to me that the theme here is that Florida state just didn't quite finish in this game on multiple plays and in multiple situations where this is a team that's gotten a lot better and they've grown significantly and they went toe to toe with Clemson. And granted, that's not a great Clemson team. I mean, they, they, they're five and three for a reason, but again, if I if I told any Florida State fan at the beginning of the season that Florida State would would have an opportunity, would have the ball with a chance to win the game in multiple on multiple opportunities late in the fourth quarter against Clemson, everybody would have taken that. You know, okay, you're going to be down four late in the fourth quarter, going to have the ball twice with an opportunity to to go down and score. Will you take that? I think every Florida State fan in America, and I think the Florida State coaching staff at the beginning of the year would have taken that would have taken that uh, that gamble compared to what might have happened against Clemson, given the way that this series has gone of late. So all in all, I mean, this is a really an interesting game in a lot of respects. It was a game, it was a, a game of two halves where the two offenses really played better in the first half. I mean, you think about this: that game was was seventeen to thirteen in the first half, and then. 24 to 20 with 30 seconds left in the, in the game. So basically you had 14 points total scored in the second half as the two defenses really locked down first half. Both teams moved the ball better than I expected. Florida state 6.5 yards per play and Clemson 6.5 yards per play. And I thought both of them would be closer to five yards per play on the game. And it turns out that's exactly where they wound up at the end of the game and in the final statistics, you look at this Florida state 4.4 yards per play. They're actually at 5.3 before that final drive, which the, uh, all the, all the laterals and everything. And that, that came out to a big negative play with the fumble recovery for a touchdown and all of that. So that ends up going down as a big loss. You don't factor that huge loss on a desperation play at the end of the game, Florida state 5.3 yards per play and Clemson 5.1 yards per play on the game. Right in the in the zone that you expected, in five point, uh, Clemson was at five point three prior to their final drive, where they just ran the, ran the ball three times to try to run clock. So, five point four yards per play to five point three yards per play, that's right in the line of expectation of what you know. Basically, I expected, and lots of people expected coming into this game in terms of the overall level of success of these two teams. I'm just a little bit surprised by how it was all concentrated in the first half. I mean, you look at the at the first half numbers, like I said. 6.5 yards per play, 17 points for Clemson, 13 for Florida State, several big plays. In the second half, Florida State, and, and again, this is uh, skewed by that final play, 2.7 yards per play and Clemson, 3.6 yards per play. 
So, I mean, look, that's what it was. It was it was a game that got ugly as the two teams, as the two defenses figured out what the uh, what the offense was doing. And well, <laughs> that was that. And, you know, on a few other things, just in terms of situations in this game, going back through it, I agreed with the decision to go for it on fourth and, and a long one from their own 49. This is a situation where, look, I, I'm I'm with Herm Edwards. You play to win the game and you're going to have to stop their offense anyway. So, and, and ultimately it really didn't matter because their, their field goal kicker missed, uh, missed one of his three field goals, three misses there, which actually those three misses make this game significantly closer than it would have been otherwise. I mean, that's, that's one thing if you're looking back at this and want to be fair in terms of your analysis, your, your assessment, you say, well, you know, this game really should have been closer to 30 to 20 in terms of what, where, uh, where it would normally be if Clemson makes those those field goals, although maybe Florida State pushes it just a little bit differently on offense in a couple cases. But I think 30 to 20 is a, is a fair score in that regard. Uh, but again, I think you played a win there. That was not a bad play call either. I mean, I know some people were upset with it, but that's a read call. And in my view, Travis, it was a bit muddy, but I thought he made the wrong read. He probably should have pulled it there. Understandable though, across the board, you've been able to to have success with that game, that or with that play to that point in the game, and you just you go with it. And sometimes you get beat, and they got beat there. So you know that is what it is. Uh, there were a number of key situations in the second half that really ultimately decided this game, in my opinion. Uh, you had the forced fumble, the first forced fumble uh, on the uh, on the uh, wide receiver screen where Uyunglele hung his wide receiver out to dry, and Florida State took advantage and forced the fumble. And then you had sort of Treshawn Ward go down a little bit awkward. And it just, it was one of those funky plays where it, things just weren't quite where they should be in, in terms of in his arm. And he gave it right back. It was bad execution, really poor timing. And, uh, you know, that's a situation where you got a chance to take that game over, take control of that game and take control of momentum. And you give it right back to him. And that, again, that's a situation where you've got to be able to finish. You've got to be able to win those, those uh, situations. Then they had, after that, a fourth and five where they're driving. Uh, I think they were inside Clemson's 40, about the 36, 37 at that point. Uh, got a, th- a fourth and five. You're in a, you're in a play that you like. You're going to go for it, take your chances, roll the dice, and false start. And then you're fourth and 10 and outside the 40, and you're not going to roll the dice there. So then that, uh, that changes that math. That's another opportunity where you... You feel pretty comfortable that that you've got maybe fifty fifty or forty percent chance of of not only getting the first down there but being in scoring position to take again take control of the game. Then after the third missed field goal, you've got a chance to seize the game once again. Big throw to change the field position. You got that little rollout, great throw by Travis uh, to uh, uh, Jordan Wilson. Jordan Wilson, uh, and then you have the missed third down opportunity again, where you're in third and uh you're in third and five spread them out Travis misses the throw just a little bit but hits the receiver's hands Helton can't hold on to it and there you go I mean you've got those are plays that if you're gonna win this type of game against this type of team even though again they're not what they've been the last few years there's still a ton of talent on that team if you're gonna if you're gonna beat those teams those are the plays you have to make and then in terms of other situations well then you get to the final sequence, and honestly, I'm. Uh, I, I think Mike Norvell and Florida State have 
a lot of reason to be pretty upset with how the, the game was officiated down the stretch. The unsportsmanlike conduct call on uh, Jermaine Johnson when he got into the end zone and exuberantly tossed the ball in the air. That's not a premeditated taunting situation or showboating thing. That's a guy who just made a game-changing play in a hostile environment who is absolutely exuberant. And you, you should be allowed to celebrate in this game. That, that to me, a 15-yard penalty on that, that then gives them the ball 15 yards further based on where they got the ball is actually, and it turned out to be about a 12 yard uh, penalty, but that's a 12 yard penalty that gives them 12 yards of field position that matter a ton in that end of game situation. They matter a ton in any situation, but your odds of scoring starting from the 38 versus uh, or 37, wherever they were 37, 38, your odds of scoring from there versus the 25, there's like a 14% difference. That Delta is big. And then to top that off, you have the late hit out of bounds where when initial contact was made, he had not yet stepped out of bounds. And th that continues to get called this year. And I do not understand that call. I've been angry when it was called against teams that, that got called for it against Florida State. I mean, we all saw against Syracuse where Jordan Travis looked like he was running out of bounds and then all of a sudden defender slows up so that you don't get that call and he takes off and gets 20 extra yards. It helped Florida State there. That officials have been calling that so much that defenses are gun shy. Yeah, that helps him there. But it's it's wrong. You, you, it's not a late head out of bounds when the guy's not out of bounds. And yeah, he's clearly going out of bounds, but he's still in bounds. He's fair game. That's the way it should be. Because there's still always a chance that the guy puts on the brakes and, you know, dives forward for another couple yards. That's the way this game is supposed to be played. And you just can't decide games on such marginal things. If you're the officials, your job is to call it. Like if the guy's stepped out of bounds, he's fully stepped out of bounds. He's, you know, put his second foot down and a guy then hits him clearly late. Then you call it. But if this is a situation where you've got two guys going full speed, just selling out to one guy selling out to try to get as much yardage as he can and get to the get to the uh, out of bounds line and the other guy selling out to try to prevent him from getting extra yardage and he dives and pushes the guy out of bounds right on the right on the sideline and you know makes more contact that's a marginal play you you let that go you call penalties on plays that are penalties on, that are clearly illegal you don't call plays on or you don't call penalties on plays where it's like well I mean, it would have been a penalty. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna assess that. I know that that guy was going out of bounds, and he hit him anyway, even though he was going out of bounds. I don't care that he's going out of bounds. If he's in bounds, it's not a late hit out of bounds. And that, to me, again, this is a systemic problem, not just in the ACC, but in the S in the SEC, in in the NCAA as a whole. I think it's been more of a problem in the ACC this year. But that's just really poor officiating, and ultimately. They gave Clemson was the beneficiary in the, in those on those two calls of twenty seven free or twenty eight free yards on that final scoring drive. That's backbreaking, and that's even that's not even factoring in the fairly marginal pass interference call, which I think is an excusable call. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really make a big deal out of that one because I mean yeah I mean I, I I think you can call that I I wouldn't call it if I were the if I were the uh, the official in question, I don't think that that should be called pass interference. 
he's got position. He's playing through the hands. He's there right around the same time as the ball, but it's close enough. I think that's a defensible call. So 15 yards there, no problem. But ultimately, the other 28 yards was really important. And, you know, I, I think I think it's unfortunate. And this is one where if I'm Mike Norvell, I, I would probably get fined in the uh, in the press, post-conference uh, presser. Sort of for the purpose of showing my team that I'm willing to go to bat for them. I'm, I'm going to get fined after that after that game for my uh, for what I say about some of the officiating in this game. With Jordan Travis, I mean, there were two other examples where Jordan Travis was on the sideline and he shovel passes the ball forward two yards before he steps out of bounds and he gets called for running out of bounds. He, he, they call him running out of bounds, loss of seven. And, he, and then they're lining up and Travis, all of a sudden, you see him look and he goes, I threw it, I threw it. And the, and the official, you could read his lips, he said, you, you, were, out of, you were out of bounds. No, I threw it first. And then Norvell and the, and, the, and the coaching staff had already called their play based on third and 10. And then all of a sudden they notice it's, they're, they're lined up at 17. And he, you see Norvell on the sideline going, whoa, 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 whoa. He, he threw it. He threw it. And he said, no, no, coach, he was, he was out of bounds before. He stepped out of bounds beforehand. And then Norvell tries to go over and call timeout because they're about to run out of time before the, uh, before the play. And they don't like what they've got called in that situation for third and 17. And they don't get the, the timeout. Ball gets snapped. And then it's a strip. And they're very fortunate that they didn't turn it over there. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's another inexcusable one. I mean, he was two yards inbounds when he threw it. And none of the officials noticed. And then there was another one along the sideline, the same sideline, the Clemson sideline. Which, which again, if there's a sideline, you're not going to get a call. It's on that side. But you're supposed to still call it fair. You're supposed to still make proper calls over there. He run along the sideline, holds the ball out in front of him, which gives you an extra yard and a half or so, holds the ball out in front of him as he, before he runs out of bounds, and the official marks the ball where he stepped rather than where he was holding the ball because he just didn't pay attention to the fact that he was holding out of bounds, that he was holding it in front of him. So it was a poorly officiated game, and there were... I think I don't think this was a game where the officials outright helped Clemson, but I do think that in the way that the calls shaped out and, and, and or shook out, that is, uh, in the way that the calls shaped up and shook out, uh, I think it ultimately down the stretch, there were, there were a number of calls that ultimately did benefit Clemson and benefit the home team there. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's worth bringing up. I don't think that's why Florida State lost the game. Worth bringing up, not why Florida State lost the game. If you're Mike Norvell, one of the things you're really happy about in this game is that you competed on every play. You feel like your guys were able to go toe-to-toe with Clemson. You feel like you can, again, point to recruits and say, look, we are this close to beating the team that has been the top team in our conference and has been in the, in the college football playoff and has been winning national championships most recently. We're this close. It would have helped a whole lot more if you were able to win that game. but you feel pretty good about your overall showing. You competed on every play. You just didn't finish. And, you know, that's, that is what it is. That's, that's the game. And, you know, one other thing that, that stands out to me on this is speaking of not finishing, I look at Travis J at corner yet again, beat on a jump ball 
where he's in position, he's on the guy's hip and just doesn't finish, does not fight enough. And that's, that's the thing that I think is most frustrating about watching Travis J right now is he simply is not fighting enough. You don't see the fight in him when it becomes a one-on-one situation where you just don't see the dog in Travis J where there's a pride factor of, I am going to let this guy beat me. I'm going to interfere with him if it comes down to it, but I ain't letting this guy beat me. And over and over again, he's kind of playing the technique, but he looks like he's just slightly going through the motions instead of doing that, instead of adding that little bit of extra effort that that's required to finish and win those reps. And that's cost him games. I think that's a guy, honestly, I still say they really ought to consider moving him to offense for next year because I think he's better with the ball in his hand and you're less likely, I think, to see some of those effort factors, the finishing problem on the offensive side with the ball in his hands than you are on the defensive side. So, you know, other things in this game, Florida State, uh, again, it's kind of skewed. You can't really go because of that last uh that last play, which really skews the running, the rushing numbers. If you look at the overall rushing numbers with that last play included, you wind up with uh, Florida State at 2.0 yards per play, uh, yards per rush. I don't think that's quite what it was, you know, in terms of representing what, what was there in the game. You look at their rush average, 3.1 in the first half, uh, through the third quarter, 2.6. And then you've got the .2 in the, th- in the fourth quarter because of that, that final play. But ultimately, if you want to look at why Florida State ultimately lost this game, it's because they just could not run the ball consistently enough against a Venables defense that was set to basically, uh, that was set to, that was dead set to not let them run the football. So you look at 111 yards gained, that 43 yards lost, most of those yards. So I think about 30 of those were on the final play. So roughly, you know, 100 yards rushing on 34 carries. So, you know, roughly three yards a carry on the game. That's not good enough. And that's why you lost the game. I mean, that's, that's pretty simple. Uh, great, great scheme at different points. I thought they did. I thought there was some wizardry going on in that first red zone trip. You could see that they were going to maximize every trip they got down there. They scored their one touchdown in the red zone. And then they got a shot play up the sideline to Toafili, who did did a phenomenal job uh, in terms of the run and roll uh, two point wave mat drills type thing to to score there with along with some balance, but again not enough. They they missed the other big shot play ultimately that they needed to hit in order to win this game. And and you know when he missed it, I think Travis knew like man that was a big one. Uh, it was one where edge edge rusher was able to bother him just enough to hurry the throw, and then. They got the deep post in the matchup that they wanted against a safety and a backer. And Travis just overthrew uh, uh, Keyshawn Helton. And that's the other play. When when that one hit the turf, I was thinking, mm, that might have been it. That might have been the game. Because they really needed, they needed to hit, I thought, two big shot plays to win this game. They got one shot play. They didn't, They weren't able to connect on the other one. I think that ultimately ends up being really the difference in the game is just not being able to run the ball consistently enough. Jay Sean Corbin, nine carries, 31 yards, 3.4 per carry. Trey Sean Ward, five carries for 21 yards, 4.2 per carry. And of course that fumble Travis 
minus four yards per uh, uh, per carry or minus four yards on the day after the uh, last fumble gets credited to him. And, you know, along with the like 30, 30 negative yards on that. So, you know, not enough rushing yards. They didn't hit on the big play in turn, the, the other big play, the other shot that they needed in this game. And Clemson just ultimately made a couple more plays enable to, enabling them to win the game. I, I do think though, we've seen enough progress defensively too from Florida state that, you know, whole, uh, look Clemson 5.1 yards per play. And I thought they executed overall better tonight than they did in most, uh, in most of their games so far this year, but holding them to 5.1 yards per play and, and 23 total or 24 total points. That's in the range of kind of what I expected for this defense. And I think it represents still a step forward overall. Just got to carry forward, build on that, win the next week, and uh, still got a shot to uh, to make a bowl. Although Miami is starting to look pretty scary moving uh, moving forward, so we'll see how this goes. But I think again, this team is still capable of beating anybody on their schedule. Still in a position to really give a bowl game a run for its money, even though each game that goes by that's slightly less likely, but really close. I mean, this was what I thought it would be. I mean, I had it Florida state 23 to 20 with it, a basically a coin flip game. And this was essentially a coin flip game as it turned out largely due to some missed field goals and everything else, but it was a coin flip game. And if you're Florida state, you'll take a coin flip game against a team that is, that has recruited better than you and, and has developed better than you for a while every, every time. And you just hope it comes up on your on your side of the coin more often than than it has but this is progress they're making strides coin flip game had multiple opportunities opportunities to win it just got to finish the unconquered podcast is brought to you by epr creations lewis marquez of keller williams realty in jacksonville florida shenrealestate.com in chapel hill north carolina garage makeovers of palm beach and broward county and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.